Yo, yo, yo. What is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Laces Out, the official podcast of the Pigskin Podcast Network. I am your host, Sohaib, and today I have an exciting episode lined up for you guys. As you all know, it is officially Super Bowl weekend, so I will be getting you ready for that matchup along with breaking down the news around the league. So sit back, relax, get comfortable, and enjoy the rest of the show. Hello everyone and welcome into yet another episode of Laces Out, a podcast in which I go over everything football. My goal of this podcast is pretty simple and that is to break down everything that has happened in the NFL world and basically provide a unique insight on, on things that happen around the league. Basically it's just not one of those professional NFL network type podcasts, it's just a, a normal fan trying to give his opinions and takes and I really hope you guys enjoy that and kind of get a different perspective on what is going around what is going on around the league. With all that being said, let's dive right into this week's episode starting off with our around the NFL segment. Not a ton of news since our previous episode. So we'll just quickly go through the segment and then I'll be previewing the Super Bowl. So, first things first, D'Amico Ryan's begins to build his staff. It is reported that he is expected to hire former Cardinals defensive line coach Matt Burke as their next defensive coordinator out in Houston. This is an interesting hire to say the least, although I still expect D'Amico Ryans to be heavily involved on this side of the ball. Not really much insight on what kind of defense Matt Burks runs, but what we do know is D'Amico Ryans will probably bring the 4-3 defense that he used at a really high level out in Houston, out in San Francisco, so that's going to be really interesting to see how that defensive dynamic plays out. But that is a, re- a relatively solid hire, a guy who, you know, most recently coached J.J. Watt. You know, there's a, there's a Houston connection there, ironically enough. But I, I just look at this as Matt Burke, it's not, a, it's not a case of him calling plays. And that's the biggest thing I look at when I look at that hire. So that is definitely... An interesting hire because I, you know, he's an interesting man. You know, Ian Rapport reported that he, I think it was something like he chills with bears, goes hiking during the off season. It's it's he seems like a really fun guy to be around. So I really I really respect this hire for the Houston Texans. On the offensive side of the ball, they brought in Cliff Kingsbury for a visit on Friday to most likely interview for their open offensive coordinator position. And in my opinion, I feel like this would really be a solid hire as Cliff Kingsbury. It's still a solid play caller, you know, despite all his struggles he had as an overall head coach in Arizona. That's the key word there, overall head coach. As a play caller, he's relatively solid in my opinion. I just felt like what his demise was at Arizona was his lack of being able to lead a team and kind of coach in the other aspects of the game. But his offensive play calling, I felt like, wasn't really the bad thing about his coaching. And honestly, it would it would seem to me that he or whoever becomes an offensive coordinator for the Houston Texans, they would have complete control of that side of the ball. So if you're an offensive coordinator that's looking, or, you know, an offensive play caller that's looking for an opportunity to kind of lead an offense, like a former head coach, for example, such as Cliff Kingsbury, I feel like this is a really good opportunity to go to. One, you have the number two overall pick, so you can potentially work with a future QB. And, you know, you have 
full disposal. The, the offense is at your full disposal. It's just a really, really interesting situation because of the reasons I just stated. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on for sure. And, you know, something to keep, you know, note of, Cliff Kingsbury still owed money from the Arizona Cardinals. So whether that plays a role in this or not, we'll kind of see. So he's not really rushed into a, a coaching job, if you want to put it that way, because, you know, the man's making money until 2027. So money isn't an issue for him. It's just a matter of does he want to get back into coaching. We'll see. Definitely, definitely would be an interesting hire. And I would really be intrigued to see how that would work out at Houston. Now moving on to another team that is building their coaching staff, and that is the Carolina Panthers. And, you know, Frank Reich, he's, he's continuing to pull together an impressive staff. You know, this hire, although it might not seem as much, but it's relatively interesting hire to say the least. And that is Dom Campers, who was originally the first head coach in franchise history, makes his return to the franchise, and he will be a senior defensive assistant. He has worked closely with Evro out at Denver, and now he returns to his former team as a defensive assistant. This is a relatively hot, solid hire, as you get an experienced veteran coach in camper and capers, and now you now you have an, like a nice veteran voice in the room, and you can never get enough of that in today's NFL. So that is a relatively interesting hire. And then they bring in on the offensive side of the ball, they bring in Josh McCown to be their next QB coach. Josh McCown finally gets a spot in the NFL coaching world. And this is an interesting high-level position that it's going to be really interesting to see how, how he actually ends up as a potential as a potential coach. And he's going to have the opportunity to, whether it's Sam Darnold, whether it's Matt Carell, or whether it's a young QB in the draft, he's going to have a chance to work with a young QB regardless of who starts at the upcoming season, unless they go to... Like with a veteran QB, I don't know. I doubt that's going to happen, but he has the, he's going to have the opportunity to kind of develop and groom a young QB, which is which is something that could either make or break his chance at being a potential head coach in the future. So that's going to be something interesting to keep an eye on. Nonetheless, I really like what Frank Reich is doing out in Carolina so far, really building and putting together a really impressive staff. I'd be really excited if I was a Carolina Panthers fan. But now moving on to the other teams that have still yet to hire a head coach and kind of give you guys something that's becoming a common commodity these past few episodes with me. And that is giving you guys a head coaching update with the Colts and the Cardinals. They have still not made their picks yet as to who would be their next head coach. But we have some news regarding both teams. The Indianapolis Colts, as we all said, they're conducting a very thorough research and it looks like we could be coming to an end to that very soon they have removed three coaches from their list among that is don wink martindale i don't know what to say other than i guess it's you know they lower their list of 100 people to like 97 it's just i'm, I'm being sarcastic by the way but it's an interesting process definitely and one they can't afford to mess up as i've said week in and week out on this podcast and it's going to be really interesting to see who ultimately comes out as their next head coach because what I found really interesting is Shaquille Leonard went on Von Miller's podcast and really advocated for Jeff Saturday. So does that play a role? One of your one of your captains, one of your leaders on this team kind of advocating for Jeff Saturday. Does Jim Irsay take that into consideration? Does Chris Ballard, especially Chris Ballard, who's on the hot seat, if it doesn't work out, his job is on the line. Does he really take that into consideration or does he go with a more solidified 
or a more proven option at the head coaching position. So that's something really I found interesting. It's it's going to be it's real it's a really interesting predicament. Chris Ballard, as I said, on the hot seat this upcoming season, does is he willing to take the risk just to satisfy Shaquille Leonard, which I think you know is a really interesting scenario to to really keep an eye on. But that is really it from the Indianapolis Colts. Not much else from their head coaching search. Now the Arizona Cardinals. They will not be making any decisions until after the Super Bowl, as their owner has announced. And it really got me thinking is, could they be potentially waiting for Shane Steichen? As he could ultimately be a guy to work with Kyler. It's really interesting because we, from what we know, and that is Mike Kafka and Lou Anarumo. Those are the two known finalists. But now that they're waiting until after the Super Bowl, they said they're taking a break during this weekend. Are they potentially waiting for the opportunity to hire Shane Steichen? That is something that really would be interesting. Because as I said, I feel like to work with a guy like Kyler Murray to kind of get him out of that slump he's been in the past year, year and a half, I feel like getting a guy like Shane Steichen who developed Jalen Hurts and kind of turned him into a top five QB in today's NFL, I feel like that would be a really interesting hire, to say the least, because Kyler Murray is tied to this Cardinals team, and the the success of this Arizona Cardinals team is tied to Kyler Murray. So getting a guy that could work with him, and this is no disrespect to Mike Kafka, who would ultimately, him and Lou Anarumo, they'd be really solid hires. But I feel like if you can get Shane Steichen, that would ultimately be the better hire of the three. So that's definitely, definitely an interesting bit of news that came out in recent days. Other than that, not much updates for the Arizona Cardinals. We'll, it looks like we'll be getting an answer potentially next week. And I expect the Indianapolis Colts to make their make their answer next week because we're about a month away from free agency. And you kind of want your head coach to come in and kind of settle himself before kind of evaluating the team and deciding what needs to be done in this upcoming free agency. So... I feel like a decision should be coming up soon with both of these teams, so keep an eye out for that. And you f- make sure to follow us on Twitter at Laces Out NFL Pod to never miss a beat on up to and to never miss any NFL news, man. Just follow us on Twitter. Now moving on to another bit of news, and this is you know, <laughs> I don't know if this is news, but I just have to mention it. But Tom Brady has officially retired as he submitted the necessary paperwork, making it in quotes for real this time around so he kind of put all the rumors all the you know potential offseason following Tom Brady uh, he put all the rumors to bed and he has made it official submitting all the paperwork so it looks like we have officially seen the last of Tom Brady but that is that for that for that bit of news and now I, this isn't this is part of the around NFL segment but this isn't news and now I'm going to give a quick reaction to the NFL award show that happened out on Thursday night. The awards, you know, to quickly recap, Patrick Mahomes wins MVP, his his second MVP in his career. Offensive Player of the Year went to Justin Jefferson. Nick Bosa won Defensive Player of the Year. Garrett Wilson won Offensive Rookie of the Year. His teammate, Sauce Gardner, won Defensive Rookie of the Year. Geno Smith won Comeback Player of the Year. Brian Dable won Coach of the Year. And D'Amico Ryans has won Assistant Coach of the Year. So a few takeaways from the award show. Patrick Mahomes, man, you just, enough credit cannot go to him and just the type of player he is. He's the best player in the NFL right now, and he has proved that consistently year in and year out. 
With him winning the second MVP, he joined some really rare company, being the ninth QB in NFL history to win multiple MVPs, joining the likes of Aaron Rodgers, joining the likes of Tom Brady, a ton of really solid guys. So it's, you know, it's just a really a testament as to how good Patrick Mahomes has been. And it's it's impressive to think that, you know, he could potentially get better and better. And that's a scary, scary thought for the entire NFL. But shout out to Patrick Mahomes, two-time MVP winner, joining some really rare company. My next takeaway, the New York Jets. Having two Rookie of the Year winners is insane, and I just don't feel like it's talked about enough. On the defensive side of the ball, you have an all-pro corner in Sauce Gardner. And he just, he, not much needs to be said. He is one of the best corners in the game, let alone, you know, from this rookie class. And it's just a really, really impressive, It's it was a really, really impressive season from Sauce Gardner. And you look at the offensive side of the ball. They won that award as well. And Garrett Wilson, you can say, solidified himself as a legit wide receiver one in this league. So now you have two premier cornerstones on both sides of the ball. And that really gets you excited if you're a Jets fan for the future of this team because... Now you have an all-pro corner in Sauce Gardner. You have a potential top 10 receiver if he develops and continues to improve heading into next season in Garrett Wilson because he showed the potential that he has and that he can be amongst the top receivers in the league. So those are two franchise cornerstones that you have that you can really build this team around. And they're, and they're not the only ones. You know, you add in a guy like Brees Hall who probably was the favorite when he was playing it early on in the season. And you look at this Jets team and they have a really bright future. What's holding him back? And it's the QB position. Once they figure that out, look out because I feel like they can be a really scary team next season. And with all the hate and just the the losing the Jets have went through this past this past couple years, it's it's a really good sight to see as a Jets fan because if you get that QB, say you get an Aaron Rodgers, say you even get a Jimmy Garoppolo. This team could be in the postseason next next year, and they could be a really scary team, one that not many teams really want to go up against this time at this time next season. So it's going to be really interesting to see this Jets team play out. But yeah, that is my second takeaway. My third takeaway. Now, I just want to clarify, this isn't really meant as disrespect towards this player, but I just had to kind I just disagree with how this award kind of played out. And that is the Comeback Player of the Year award. I Again, I don't mean any disrespect towards Geno Smith. But I just don't understand how he won Comeback Player of the Year. Now, I get the whole, he was not a starter for a while. You know, he was written off. I did not write back. Yada, 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 yada. But this isn't, isn't this an award for players coming off injury? Kind of coming off through, you know, potential, I don't know how to put this, but like, career-threatening injuries and kind of coming back the next season and proving everyone wrong. Like Alex Smith, that's a prime example of what it means to be comeback player of the year. I just really don't understand how Geno Smith was a candidate, let alone winning this award, because he didn't really come back from any injury. If anything, he was a backup QB for his entire career and kind of becoming... See, this is why I think the NFL needs to have a most improved award, but that's for another episode. But I just don't really understand how he can win comeback player of the year because he didn't come back from any major significant injury in the in previous years he was a backup and if anything he didn't have any wear and tear so he really didn't have anything to come back from but like that's just i just find that interesting and then if you're asking me who who do i think should have won i have a two candidates prime candidates 
Brian Robinson, I felt like he would have been a solid candidate for this award. For you know, he was shot multiple times in August. That's and he came back earlier than expected and he was a starter for this Washington football team and that to me makes him the favorite for comeback player of the year. That is just one of the candidates. Or if you don't want to go Brian Robinson, go with Nick Gates who he came off a really gruesome injury last season and he put together a really solid season leading this resurgent Giants offensive line. Those are two candidates that came off of career-threatening injuries and performed at a really high level. And I just feel like they could, they would have been better picks for this award and rather than Geno Smith. And this is no, as I said, no disrespect towards Geno. I just don't think he was fit for this award. Although I think he, you know, give him the most improved player, man. That's why the NFL needs that award. But that is something that they don't have. And that is ultimately how it played out. So congrats to Geno Smith. But I just wanted to get that takeaway out the way. Other than that, I think the winners of the other awards were really fair. You know, you have Mahomes deserved MVP, Justin Jefferson, best player, best offensive player outside of QB in the game. That's understandable. Nick Bosa led the league in sacks, led the league in pressures. That's understandable. Gary Wilson, Sauce Gardner, I spoke about that. Geno Smith gave my thoughts on that. Coach of the year, Brian Dable. That was my pick. I felt like he was really deserving kind of overachieving with this New York Giants team. And then D'Amico Ryans did a tremendous job. He was one of the premier head coaching candidates. I really agree with that pick as well. Some small takeaways. I just find it crazy how Michael Parsons didn't get a first place vote. The man was a favorite for this award at one point. And for him to not get a first place vote, well, I don't know why I keep saying vote, but for him to not get a first place vote, that's kind of, you know, odd to me. But it, it, it didn't matter at the end of the day. Nick Bosa was the deserved winner. And then I found it crazy how, I don't get how this works, but Kenneth Walker had the most first place votes, but still lost out to Garrett Wilson. I get the whole award voting point system, whatever, but I feel like first place votes should have kind of, an, you know, a bigger implication as to who wins this award. But that's, that's just me. I found that interesting because both are really deserving winners. But that's just another takeaway. The award ceremony has some, it has some good and it has some bad. But definitely something, some things really need to improve. But yeah, that really wraps up the Around the NFL segment. That be, with all that being said, before we preview this, the huge game coming up, I just have to ask you guys a major question. Are you ready for the biggest Sunday in sports? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 57, has all the Super Bowl action you need. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get in on the Super Bowl 57 excitement with DraftKings Happy Hour Super Boost. Check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day between 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 to 6 p.m. Pacific, to see what prop bet will be boosted. Now, this game is tough to predict as it could easily go both ways. It's too early to tell. But as of right now, with the way the odds are set up, I may be leaning towards the Chiefs winning. And with them being at plus one and a half, I feel like that could be great value, especially if you believe the Kansas City Chiefs could win this game. As for player props, I am really excited to see how Travis Kelsey performs, as I think he will have a big role in this game, considering the strengths of the strength of this Eagles defense is their secondary. So look for Kelsey to get majority of the work per usual in this game and this to be a potential high-scoring game, so keep an eye out for that. Now you can bet on Kelsey or any other player slash team this Sunday only on DraftKings Sportsbook. 
So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code TPPN. New customers can bet $5 on Super Bowl 57 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TPPN. That is code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right. Let's get right into it. Let's break down Super Bowl 57, or should I say the Kelsey Bowl. So how I'm going to do this is a more detailed breakdown compared to my previous breakdown preview slash preview episodes. In this episode, not in this episode, I'm going through an intro again. But for this segment, I will be given a position-by-position breakdown, who I believe has the edge at each position, and then I will give my keys to win in this game for both teams, and then I'll give my X-Factors, and then round it all up with my game predictions. So let's start off with the quarterback position, and this is fairly easy. Give me the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes is MVP in the league. He's the best player in the league in, in all of football, and he, he won MVP for good reason, led the league in yards and touchdowns this season. I think, I, I really believe the Chiefs have the edge here. And Hurts is a good QB, don't get me wrong. I felt like he was a top Q, top five QB this season. But just Patrick Mahomes is just on a completely different level right now. So give me Mahomes and the Chiefs for this QB position. As for the running back position, give me the Philadelphia Eagles. You can really make a case that all three running backs for the Eagles are capable of handling a large workload in the NFL. And I feel like the same really can't be said about this Chiefs running back room. So, you know, sure, having the best O-line in football helps, but the talent is there in this in this Eagles running back room, such as Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, even Boston Scott can step in and really carry the load for quite some time. And it's just they're, how deep this running back room is that I feel like that gives them the edge over the Kansas City Chiefs at their respective at this respective position. And now moving on to the wide receivers. This is also for the Philadelphia Eagles. Because, you know, you have A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, two guys that could be wide receiver ones on majority of the teams in the NFL. And the fact that the Eagles have both really says a lot about this wide receiver room. So, yeah, give me the Eagles. Chiefs really don't have a wide receiver one. This was an easy pick for me. And another easy pick. At tight end, give me the Kansas City Chiefs. They got the best tight end in football. Travis Kelsey... Not enough words can be said about him. The man is basically a receiver at the tight end position. And with the numbers he puts up, he really has a case at being a an, a top receiver in the playoffs. It's just, I don't, I don't have the exact numbers on me right now. But if you look at it in the playoffs, he is amongst the top in the statistical categories, amongst receivers, along with tight ends. So he's just the best tight end in the game, potentially the best tight end of all time. So this is a fairly obvious answer for me. And now for offensive line. Another easy one. Philadelphia Eagles, best O-line in football, no questions asked. Really, not much needs to be said. Give me the Eagles in that regard. Front seven, and that is also to the Philadelphia Eagles. This front seven led the league in sacks, and it's just a fully loaded room, man. You look at the likes, you got the you got Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Hassan Reddick, Javon Hargrave, Robert Quinn, Dom Kingsu, Linval Joseph. The list goes on and on and on and on, and it's crazy to think that Jordan Davis has missed a large part of the season, and this front seven is still dominant, and just they've been dominating throughout. And it's a really star-studded front seven, and it is arguably the best in football right now. The Chiefs' front seven isn't all that bad. They got Chris Jones, who is the best interior D lineman after Aaron Donald, and it's relatively solid guys in in Frank Clark, George Karloftis. Their linebackers are relatively solid. 
But I just feel like this Philadelphia Eagles front seven has a ton of premier playmakers and just more more well-rounded and more depth on this Eagles front seven. I feel like that gives them the slight edge over this Kansas City Chiefs front seven, although it's closer than many people think. And you guys will really, really kind of notice that in this game as well. But yeah, give me the Eagles front seven. Now moving on to the secondary, and I am going to give that to the Eagles as well. This Eagles team has the number one pass defense in all of football, and it is led by a stud corner in Darius Slay. You know this front. You know the secondary is good when their cornerback too is James Bradbury, who wasn't a corner. Who wasn't, you know, too long ago was just a cornerback one for this New York Giants team, and it just goes to show they got Darius Slay, James Bradbury, two potential cornerback ones on a ton of other teams similar to their wide receiver position. And they have both of those guys, and then you add the likes of Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, and they have a star-studded secondary as well as a front seven, and it's just, this defense is crazy. But, you know, Gardner-Johnson, I feel like that move before the season really solidified them at the back end, and that pushed them over the top and kind of made them amongst the best secondaries in all of football this year. And it's just credit to Howie Roseman for really building this defense from the ground up, and it's just a really impressive defense all across the board so yeah the defense give me the eagles they 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 get the edge and all and all facets of the defense and now you know special teams you got to say it kansas city chiefs i feel like they got they got the advantage in the second in the, in the special teams harrison bucker one of the best kickers in the game the chiefs get this advantage and then coaching another fairly easy pick here give me the kansas city chiefs andy reed is just the goat man you know he has consistently had success throughout his entire tenure as a head coach, ironically enough, with this Philadelphia Eagles team and with this Kansas City Chiefs team as well. And he's been in this situation multiple times. So I trust him more than Sirianni in this game, which is no disrespect towards Sirianni. It's just more of credit, giving credit to a guy like Andy Reid, who has been there, done that multiple times throughout his career. So give me the coaching edge to the Kansas City Chiefs. And with that being said, the Eagles get the slight edge. Um, the Chiefs, they got QB, they got tight end, they got special teams, and they got head coach. That is four. And the Eagles got running back, wide receiver, offensive line, front seven, and secondary. So Eagles get the slight edge in my position-by-position position breakdown with with the score of 5-4. to four. And now, shifting towards the keys to winning for both teams. Let's start off with the Kansas City Chiefs. My first key to winning, and I cannot emphasize this enough, is running the football. Run, run, run. This Eagles team doesn't have many weaknesses on this team, which makes them very hard to beat. But one thing they do struggle with, and I put air quotes around that, and that is stopping the run. So establishing the run game early and often, I feel like is something the Chiefs really need to do this game. Getting Isaiah Pacheco going, who has looked better and better as the weeks have gone along, Getting him in the open field and letting his explosive playmaking ability be in full display, I feel like that is something that this Kansas City Chiefs team needs to focus on in order to give themselves the best shot at winning this game. And just another reason why they need to develop this run game early and often. Running the football keeps Hurts and this Eagles offense off the field. So that's a plus as well. You look at teams that have beat the Philadelphia Eagles. One prime example is the Washington Commanders when they... Went into Philadelphia, not they were double-digit underdogs, but they ran the ball effectively, really kept Jalen Hurts in this Philadelphia Eagles offense off the field, 
that really is one of the only ways you can beat this Philadelphia Eagles team, which is really hard to do, especially this season. So running the football, that is my first key to winning for this Kansas City Chiefs team. My next key to winning for this Chiefs team is getting to Jalen Hurts. Force him into uncomfortable situations. I feel like Jalen Hurts has had an easy going so far the past couple of weeks. And with this team having a commanding lead early on in both of the playoff matchups, I feel like that he wasn't tested as much as you would like, you know, from those respective teams. However, I felt like there were moments in both games where he would miss on some throws, especially when he was under pressure. Whether that is, you know, attributed to his shoulder injury. Is he still, is he at 100%? He's had an, an extra week to kind of, you know, rest that shoulder. Kind of force him. Find out if you're the Kansas City Chiefs. Pressure him. See if he's at 100% and put him into uncomfortable situations and force him to beat you rather than allowing that run game to kind of break you down or just, it's just force Jalen Hurts and kind of put him into a situation where he has to beat you rather than this team beating you. So for me, getting to Hurts consistently, I feel like could potentially throw him and this Eagles offense off their game. And that is something that the Kansas City Chiefs need to focus on for sure. That was my second key. And my third and final key for the Chiefs is protecting Patrick Mahomes. This Eagles defense led the league in sacks, and they're going to be bringing constant pressure on Mahomes throughout this game. Is this game going to be similar to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game where this, where Patrick Mahomes had no time to throw whatsoever, and this Chiefs offense looked a shell of their former selves? Or is this going to be a different game where this offensive line protects Patrick Mahomes and gives them the time to kind of work his way through the field and just let him do his thing? That's going to be the biggest thing. So for me, protecting Patrick Mahomes, how does this offensive line hold up? Because we have seen this offense look out of sorts if they struggle to protect Mahomes. And a prime example of that is the Super Bowl against Tampa Bay. If they, if there's a repeat performance similar to that, I could see this being a really long game for Patrick Mahomes and this Chiefs offense. So that is key. So my first key, running the football. My second key, getting to Jalen Hurts. And my third key is protecting Patrick Mahomes. I feel like if the Chiefs are able to do three these three things successfully, they will have a really good shot at winning this game. Now shifting towards the Philadelphia Eagles, my first key of the game, and that's it's kind of related to my previous my previous point, but that is getting to Mahomes early and often. It's really hard to slow this slow down Mahomes in this Chiefs offense. But what does hurt them is applying pressure on Patrick Mahomes and kind of forcing him out of out of the pocket. Because if you remember, he's coming off a high ankle sprain as well. So similar to Hertz. Is he at 100%? Getting to Patrick Mahomes, forcing him into uncomfortable situations, and kind of putting this offense out of its rhythm, out of sorts, that's something that the Philadelphia Eagles need to establish early and often and kind of dominate at the line of scrimmage. So getting to Mahomes, that is key for the Philadelphia Eagles team. My second key, taking care of the football. Do not give Mahomes and this Chiefs offense a short field. They will punish you, just plain and simple. I feel like this is one of the best, if not the best offense in the league. And giving him a short field is something you cannot afford to do. And especially, especially, I cannot emphasize this enough, especially when you're going up against Patrick Mahomes, force the Chiefs offense to drive on your defense, which is amongst the best in the league. Let them earn it rather than giving them free possessions or free points. So that is something that they need to focus on. Jalen Hurts needs to play a clean game, make clean, accurate, crisp throws, because this is a opportunistic, really aggressive Chiefs defense. He really needs to take care of the football, and this Eagles team needs to take care of the football as a whole. So that is my second key of the game. My third and final key, I feel like this is the most important one, 
and that is containing Travis Kelsey. I already spoke about Travis Kelsey and his impact on this Chiefs offense, and it's for good reason. He's their best receiver by far, and he does it all for them. No exaggeration whatsoever. The thing is, there isn't really a standout guy at receiver other than Travis Kelsey. So if they're able to limit Travis Kelsey, it's going to make it harder for this Chiefs offense to get really anything going offensively. So if I'm the Eagles, I'm taking Kelsey completely out of the picture, taking him out of the game, and forcing the other wide receivers to really beat me if I'm the Philadelphia Eagles, rather than Kelsey having his way throughout. Because we have seen this Chiefs offense struggle mightily when the likes of Travis Kelsey can't get it going. So really limiting Travis Kelsey and forcing others to beat you if you're the Eagles team, I feel like that is a major key to winning this game. So those are my three keys for the Philadelphia Eagles. First, get to Mahomes early and often. Try to have a, a repeat performance of this Tampa Bay Buccaneers performance against them in 2020. Second, take care of the football. Do not give Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense a short field. And third, containing Travis Kelsey. Force others to really beat you if you're the Philadelphia Eagles. Those are my three keys. Eagles do this. I feel like this would be a this should be a win for the Philadelphia Eagles. And now, time to shift to my X-Factors for the game. And my first one is the Chiefs D-line. Can they limit and contain this Eagles run game? And it's not just the running backs. Can they limit the likes of Jalen Hurts and kind of contain him in the pocket? That is going to be key. Can they get to Hurts and force him to make errant throws throughout the game? Those are the questions that the Chiefs will need to answer if they want a really solid shot at winning this game. So to me, Chris Jones, Frank Clark, can they really get to Hurts and force him into situations he's really not used to going up against, especially this season, and making life difficult for this Philadelphia Eagles team? That is, my, that is why I believe the Chiefs' D-line is an X-factor in this game. As for the Philadelphia Eagles, I'm going to go with Jalen Hurts. He is going to be asked to make some big-time throws this game. I feel like this game will be closer compared to his previous games. And what the biggest question I have is will he be able to make those throws? He's still coming off shoulder injury. I don't believe he's at 100%. And, you know, in previous, if previous weeks are any indication of what to expect, he has really missed on some throws. It hasn't come back to bite them back in the backside yet but in a game like this in the Super Bowl where every play matters can he make that big time throw when this Philadelphia Eagles team really needs it that is something I have you know questions surrounding so that's why I believe Jalen Hurts is an x-factor if he if he's able to hit those throws this Philadelphia Eagles team should be able to win this game relatively easy easier than many expect so that is something to really keep an eye on but those are my two x-factors for the game now time for my predictions, and it's really tough to really pick this game, as it could really go both ways. But ultimately, I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs winning this game. The Eagles may have the more talented roster on paper, and I get that. But this Chiefs team is just so well coached, man. And I just feel like I have regret every moment I have doubted them this season. And I just think coaching and the experience they have will play a large part in this game. So give me the Chiefs in a close one. You got Patrick Mahomes, who is in his third Super Bowl. You got Andy Reid, who's been coaching for a very long time. And this is, I don't, I lost track of how many Super Bowls he's been in. And then you look at the other side, Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts. Still their second year together. This is their first ever Super Bowl. So this is their first rodeo. I just think experience and coaching plays a major role in this type of game. So give me the Kansas City Chiefs winning this game in a close one. I expect this to be an entertaining, exciting matchup throughout but I have the Kansas City Chiefs ultimately coming out with the W. 
with that being said, that brings us to the end of this episode. I really hope you guys enjoyed listening to the Super Bowl preview episode brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Be sure to tune into our episode next week when I will be recapping the Super Bowl along with getting you ready for the offseason ahead. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us at Laces Out NFL Pod on Twitter for up-to-date NFL news, reactions, and all things football. And follow us at, on Instagram at Laces Out NFL. Finally, if you like this episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a review on wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are available on all the major podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and so much more. Thank you again for all your support. I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Stay safe, stay well, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your week.